Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. You got your Bibles today? It is Communion Sunday. We're going to switch it around today. We'll be taking communion in just a few minutes. I want to give you a little bit of a word today, kick off a new series as well. I know it's Valentine's Day. It's a lot of days today. Amen. So, um, but I want you to turn in your Bibles with me over to John 13. John chapter 13, and we are on a mission here at River of Life, as we learned last week, that God is wanting us to focus on a rise together, on coming together and pursuing God. Coming together and seeking God. Arise together and seek God. Exodus 20, 21. If you weren't here, you can go back and watch that message on, on our YouTube channel. But that's uh, what we're going to be focused on today. Let me just be honest with you. It's, it's a little bit easier to pursue God, the second part of that, than it is to get people together. That's the challenge. Uh, but we've got an example set out for us in the Bible. And, uh, and Jesus is the example. He was on a mission when he was on earth to seek and to save those who were lost. That's what he did. He was on a mission. And he did this by sitting down and having one-on-ones. He used meals, for instance, to engage with people and to teach important lessons uh, we need to get back to doing that. I know we have been um, restricted from, from doing that, but it's time that we find a way to do that. Social media has tried to replace that, but we need to be intentional and not let the art of conversation to die off. There is something special about looking eye-to-eye to someone, face-to-face, and having a conversation. And we do need to get back to doing that, however that may look, but social media just ain't going to do it. How many say amen to that? Uh, And so Jesus did at least 10 of these are recorded in the Bible. And so I want to do, I want to talk about these for the next several weeks, call it table talks. Uh, And that is when Jesus just sat down, he preached his most important message, which was what? The kingdom of God. He didn't preach it in a church. He never preached it in a synagogue. He preached it one-on-one. He even broke it down to a man named Nicodemus. That was, that was his, um, really unveiling of explaining how to go to heaven was in that teaching in John chapter 3. You would be amazed that he didn't say it in the, in the churches. Uh, they didn't like his preaching. They pushed him out of church, uh, in fact. But he, it didn't stop him from uh, furthering the kingdom of God. And that's what we got to keep in mind. We can't let these restrictions or anything keep us from doing what God's called us to do. Uh, but it is, it is kind of complicated, I understand that, to have conversations with different people and to sit down. So we're going to learn how to do that. And uh, today is one of the most difficult scenarios uh, as we look at the communion table, the, the Last Supper. And it's in John chapter 13. And let's just uh, pick it up in verse 21. It says, when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit. And he testified, and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. But there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, on his chest, was one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. It's John. And Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to John and said, Ask him who it was. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? 
Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it in. And having dipped it, the bread, he then gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread was given, Satan entered him. That's very interesting scripture. Then Jesus said to him, do what you got to do and do it quickly. But no one at the table really knew what was going on, verse 29, for some thought because Judas had the money box. How about that? Judas was the church treasurer. Nick, we love you, brother. Amen. And uh, <laughs> so the standard that Jesus said, I don't know how you want to take that, but I uh, know. Amen. It's amazing that this happened, but it did. And that Jesus had said to him, they didn't know if he meant go buy those things that we need for the feast or that he should give some, something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, Judas then went out immediately, and it was at the night. So when he had gone out, look at verse 33. Then little children... I shall be with you just a little while longer, and you will seek me. And as I have told the Jews where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I, must, uh, now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, so that you, will, uh, that you also will love one another. So just as I loved you, I want you to use that same love and love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. Isn't that amazing? Thank you, Father, for your word. We bless this time together. Open our hearts, Lord. I pray you do bring healing, God, into our lives and into our hearts as we look at this story that John recorded. And from his perspective, that, God, we would, we would learn how to um, be ambassadors of reconciliation, Father, in some relationships as we look at this story. And I pray that today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. So like I said, this series of table talks, we're going to be looking at several different times that uh, the Lord met with people and talked with them one-on-one. But today is probably one of the most difficult scenarios. I'll title this, Eating with an Enemy. Now, I know it's Valentine's Day. And I hope this is not describing your Valentine's. Amen. <laughs> so I said, Lord, I should probably preach on love or something. You know, uh, I don't know, but this is just the way it fell, and I'm going to go with it anyway. So, amen. Take it however the Lord leads. Amen. Uh, but I hope you got your significant other, your Valentine's, something special, some flowers, or maybe a sack of White Castles with the Valentine's special. I don't know. How many know White Castles is even getting in on Valentine's Day? Amen. I mean, they do. They redo their dining room and everything. It's cool. How would I know? Anyway. So there's no excuse. That's the point. We could get something. Uh, My wife and I really don't celebrate Valentine's Day that big of a deal. We just don't. Or Sweetest Day. That's just how we roll. Uh, You guys may go all out. I encourage you. But one thing you need to do, let me just say this, my little Valentine message, is you need to continue to date your wife. You need to continue to date your spouse. And... um, in both, how many know it's a mutual agreement to make a marriage work? Uh, I'm going to teach on, on marriage, on family here real soon, but there's, there's a lot of things that we kind of get kind of, you know, uh, out of balance on some things. For instance, a happy wife is a happy life. I know I understand that. How many know I like to say a happy spouse is a happy house? I think it's important that we are both trying to meet one another's needs. And if we really want to have peace and uh, the blessing of the Lord, we need to make sure we're doing it. Amen. You guys should be shouting right now, fellas, especially. Amen. Right? Amen. So anyway, that's, uh, that's about it here. We're going to get into this. This is, uh, 
this is a complicated uh, scenario where uh, you have got to learn to get along and be cordial with somebody. Um, this is just where I think it's appropriate to preach on this as our first message as we discuss trying to build relationships back together and reaching the lost because we come out of one of the most divisive years I've, I've ever known in, in my lifetime. And so I know there's some relationships that's been fractured and broken and strained and, and, and so forth. And so we do need to learn how to, how to reconcile and, uh, because sooner or later it's going to happen. Maybe you're in a situation now in a family arrangement where uh, you are forced to be in the company of someone that you would say the enemy. But because of, for the sake of the kids or for the greater good, you've just learned to get along. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And, um, and, and, you know, this story addresses that. This story is exactly a way how you demonstrate that. Jesus was eating with an enemy. He knew that somebody in that group that would be following him, who he poured his life into for three and a half years, gave everything to these men. He knew that yet one of them was going to betray him and turn on him, but yet he still was able to keep pouring into them. So I want to give you these four things real quick, four table manners when eating with an enemy, if you want to look at it like that. Number one, as I was just mentioning, is that Jesus still came to the table. You need to understand that, that Jesus still came to the table. The, listen, we as Christians, and this is for the Christian audience, those that are claiming to be followers of Christ, not religious. We don't uh, preach religion here. We preach about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter your religious affiliation or your label that someone has stuck on you, what you were baptized in or whatever. It matters as if, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Amen. That's what, that's what a Christian actually means. In other words, you've talked to him already today. You've talked to him last night. You've been in your word all week, either once a day or whatever. But you have a connection that you stay connected with the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. Is anybody with me today? Someone's still thinking of White Castles. I already know it. Listen, come back in. But what if Jesus would say, man, I'm not even going tonight because I know Judas is going to be there. I ain't going to. The, I know it's the Last Supper and it's, it's, it's something that we are supposed to do as the Jewish people because it's the Passover. But for me, it's going to take on a new meaning tonight because I'm going to introduce the new covenant. The bread is now going to represent my body and the cup is going to represent the new covenant and the, and the blood is going to be represented in the drink. And it's going, it's going to, it's a very, very important um, meal. But I know Judas is going to be there. I, I know Peter's going to be there, man, and I never know what that guy's going to say. You know, Thomas is going to be there. Thomas never believes in nothing I do or nothing I say. He's never got my back. He never likes any of my posts. He never says anything good. I mean, he's always doubting everything. So, you know what, God, I'm going to sit this one out. Think about it. Think about that. I said it last week, but I say it again. If God did not love his enemies, there would be no Christians. There would be none of us today if God did not intentionally say, I'm going to love them anyway. Because none of us deserve the love of God. None of us deserve it. You can't be good enough to earn it. You are born sinner. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? In other words, there's things you're capable of doing that you may never believe in yourself. But God knows it because the heart of man is wicked. That's why Jesus had to come and die. So he can cover our sins and give us his spirit so we can live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord. But Jesus said, you know what, I'm still going to come 
to the table tonight. We as Christians, as I was saying, are actually instructed to be the bigger person. I know you don't like to hear this, but we are. That's why he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he has given us grace to endure it. It's because we are supposed to be the one to step up. Jesus teaches this in Matthew 18. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. Let me just give you the first scripture. But Jesus is teaching his disciples, which is us. I mean, no, he's talking to us. He says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, then you have gained your brother. And then he goes on and talks about what if they don't. And we'll, we'll get to that, the rest of Matthew 18, in just a few minutes. But I want you to see that you and I, as Christians, are the ones instructed to go and talk with someone that, um, that has been offended. If your brother sins against you. You know why I think this is important? Because a lot of times, when we are offended, the person that offended us don't even realize they've offended us. Amen? And so sometimes you can be just living your life and be mad at somebody and they have not a clue to why you're mad. And so Jesus said, you need to be the one. You need to be the, someone's got to be the bigger person. Come on, somebody. Amen. Someone, and, and we as Christians are called to be that person, just like Jesus did. Jesus knew that that would be the night, most painful night of his ministry would be to eat with a person that has already made up their mind that they are going to betray Jesus because Jesus didn't deliver just the Jews. Uh, Judas made everything into a Jewish thing, into a race thing. He did. He did. He, it was all about the Jewish people and them only. He did not like Jesus reaching out to the Gentiles. In fact, I'm not preaching on Judas, but if I did, I would take you back to when uh, his heart really began to change. It was when the woman came in that we don't even have her name, the sinful woman. We will discuss her because it was in a scene, in a setting where Jesus was eating at a table. The Bible says this sinful woman came in with an alabaster jar and she broke it. It was a year's wages worth of value. It was that expensive. So whatever you, you made for 2020... That's how much this jar of ointment was. It was a year's wage. She, she gave it to Jesus because she understood that a great God deserves a great gift. Come on, somebody. And it was at that moment the Bible says that Simon looked and said, what kind of rabbi is this that would let this sinful Gentile woman come in and touch her, touch him? And the Bible says from that moment on, Judas began to think of a way how to betray him. Back to the story, Jesus knew that Judas would be there after all of this and betray him, but he still decided to be the bigger person and say, hey man, I gotta do this. Let me give you Luke 12 because this says about an adversary. Now when you go with your adversary, Jesus is teaching again to the, to the magistrate, uh, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you into the judge and the judge overthrow you to the officer. And, and you go, what he's saying there is uh, learn to reconcile the matter as quickly as you can before it, it gets worse. That's exactly what he's saying here. And I, I picked this scripture because there's so many other scriptures we could use. But I picked this one because he says adversary. The first scripture was about a brother, a Christian brother or Christian sister. This one, he says, an enemy, a flat-out heathen, <laughs> a flat-out person who, who does not follow Christ, who doesn't get on River of Life live streaming or come to church and doesn't know nothing about God. This is a straight-up heathen. They hate you. They hate God. They don't, they don't have nothing to do with the Christian. If they 
uh, offend you. Jesus said you are even to try to go to them and reconcile as quickly as you can. Make every effort. Listen to this. Make every effort. One thing I've noticed as a Christian, what I've had to do is I have had to learn to condition my own heart for forgiveness. It's something that's, that comes with the Christian, Christian life. It's, it's part of our, of our makeup, our, our DNA, our spiritual DNA, if you will. But you first need to be big enough to come to the table. You still got to be that person that does that. Jesus demonstrated that. Secondly, Jesus, he did not repay evil for evil. This is something that I know, especially in our culture and in our society, we love to just get even. Come on, somebody. I mean, we, we, uh, if you look at the movies and, and that we have grown up with, they, they glamorize and glorify uh, vengeance, don't they? We got the Avengers. Come on, somebody. That's what they do. Now, I love the Avengers. I was watching some of it last night. Amen. Tony Stark, and especially with the Guardians, that dude is hilarious with the little, they keep calling him little rabbit. Okay, it's fun. But I want you to see what that's all about. We glorify uh, getting even. I mean, take it back to the old school. Remember Rambo? You remember Dirty Harry? You feel lucky today, punk? Do you? All of those shows, what was it? It was somebody getting even. And and without even knowing it, guys, it it has got into our subconscious that that's manly. That's good. I mean, if somebody does you wrong, you need to let them know. I mean, you need to go the other mile, give them a shirt off your back. But if they cross you, if they cross you, you're going to let them know right up in front, baby. I ain't that saved. Come on, somebody. How many know that that's that's a narrative that's in the church? I catch myself even doing it. Come on. I mean, I, I, you know, I got, I, I mean, oh, the struggle is real. We want to, we want to get even with people. Jesus could have done that. He could have said, boy, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. I didn't even, you know, I could have sent an angel down to this dust ball and put up with the Roman oppression. I'm God. I was there. Colossians verse 1 says, I was there, and everything that is made was made through me, by me, and because of me. I was there from the beginning. I am the, I am the great I am. I am the one that saved Daniel from the lion's den. I was the one that got in the fire with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And here you are going to get mad at me because I let some Gentile woman wash my feet. Boy, what's wrong with you? That's my version. That's how I would have rolled with it. Never liked you anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> start, you start opening up that thing, man. You never know what comes out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But Jesus didn't do that. He restrained himself. He didn't repay evil with evil. The Bible says he gave him a piece of bread. You know what that actually was? That was actually inviting him to be a part of the new covenant. I, I, I studied Judas's life before coming up in, in our Bible school. He was one of the main ones we had to learn about forgiveness. And I had to write a whole paper, I remember, on forgiveness. The three C's of forgiveness. I remember it. And um, one of them was is the life of Judas. I am, to, I, I am convinced that if Judas would have received that bread and would have said, you know what? I changed my mind, Lord. I'm not going to be the one to betray you. 
I, I'm sorry, I just got kind of mixed up, pulled into the culture, I just got whatever, I'm sorry, I, I want you to, I, I want to I wanna, uh, say to you, I'm sorry right now, I'm convinced that Jesus would have welcomed him right back in, and there would have been another one. There's plenty of people who did not believe in Jesus, he could have used someone else, because the Bible says he will, in Psalms 9, he will not refuse any who comes to him and seeks him. But he didn't. Judas had already made up his mind. But he gave him a piece of bread. Look at this scripture. You, if you want to get, kind of really get your enemy mad, look what the Bible says. This is how you do it. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him some water to drink. For so by doing this, you will heap coals of fire on the head, and the Lord will reward you. I mean, when people go, when people get nasty with you, what they are expecting us to do is say, oh, yeah, but I've found out that, man, when they go low and you go high, call somebody, or if somebody attacks you with that spirit, I've learned that, man, if you will just respond in, in a way that's more kind, it gets them so, it, nothing worse will get somebody mad for you to be unwilling to fight with them. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, rule number one, you never fight with a pig. Number Because two reasons. One, you're both going to get dirty and the pig's going to like it. But you, you, And I know we're tempted to get right into there and start fighting and go low. But the scripture says that if we would just turn it around and give them a piece of bread, turn around and love them in Jesus' name. I know it's something that we don't like to do. But by doing this, the Bible says it will heap coals of fire on them. What about vengeance, though? Eddie, I mean, there are people that get away with stuff, and they need to be called out on it. Absolutely. You lift your voice. Jesus did do that. He went into the church. That's where he had a problem with was the Pharisees, and he flipped over tables. He confronted them. We'll see them in some of the table talks we're going to talk about because one of them was brave enough to invite Jesus to his dinner. And he, uh, man, Jesus just totally got in his face and rebuked him because he knew better. He was supposed to be the one setting an example but he wasn't. So you do speak up for righteousness. You do stand for righteousness. That don't mean you become a doormat and you just lay down and let, let people just uh, run all over you. No, you stand up, you let your voice be heard. But I'm talking about when you, get, when you go dirty, when you go to that next level and you try to get even, that's where the Lord says, no, hold up. Why? Because in Romans, he says this, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather Give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, he says, I'm going to uh, avenge this situation. I'll take care of it. You remember you fast forward this story when Jesus, when Judas did leave, they finished their communion, they washed, Jesus washed their feet, he did another teaching, and then they went out into the garden that night. And what happened? Here comes Judas with the Roman soldiers, the Sanhedrin. And he says, the one I kiss, imagine that. The one I kiss, he's the one that you betray. Because at night they would have their, their tunics on and it was dark and you may not have been able to see which one it was. They just had torches. And so they were like, tell us which one is the Messiah. And Judas said, the one I kiss. He walked up and he kissed Jesus. And Jesus looked at him one final time and said, are you really going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? In other words, come on, Judas. This is your last chance. Are you really going to go through with it? But as soon as that began to happen, what happened? Peter whips out his sword. <laughs> and he just begins to go swinging. How many got friends like that? Amen. <laughs> he just began to swing. 
But look what Jesus said to him. He said, he said, Peter, put away the sword. He said, don't you know if I really, really wanted to get even? If I really wanted to get even, don't you know that my father has 12 legions of angels just waiting right here in circle? All I got to do is move my little finger and say, come on, let's get this thing over with right now. And they will come into this garden and just clean house. But, but, so that scriptures will be fulfilled. And I'm setting an example here today. And then he says this, he said it during this context of the last scene, the last few minutes with his disciples, especially to Peter. He said, Peter, what I'm doing to you, you may not understand right now, but there'll come a day when you will understand. I've learned to memorize that scripture. That's actually in, in the, when they were washing the feet and all of that, because that is a good scripture that helps us get through life today. Some things you're not going to understand in this moment. But he, he said to him that I'm going to take care of him. I mean, oh, God is a God of justice. Let me say that. God is a God of justice. And there's a lot of injustices been going on in our country and in around the world for a long time. There's corruption just about everywhere you look. I mean, every field in the education, I mean, we had, we seen that with one of the stars from Full House. Remember that? Laura got, got arrested for trying to pay her children's ways into college. I mean, it's just, it's just everywhere in every arena, in sports, in, especially in government and in politics. We, we have corruption at every level. And I know it is just aggravating and frustrating to those of us who stand for right Righteousness and we hate injustices. If you're a follower of Christ, you should hate all forms of injustice. Something inside of you should be fighting and every time you see it, every time you hear it, every time you see it in you, you should be able to be the first person to say, God, forgive me of that attitude. I hate it. But I'm here to tell you that there is coming a day. Church, there is coming a day. The Bible says when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's going to pay for it. He's going to bring judgment. He's going, there is going to be a day when every single human being, the Bible talks about it in 1 Corinthians 5 and on many other scriptures, that we must all before, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There's going to come a day. It's going to happen. God will bring justice. We fight for justice. We stand for justice. We preach righteousness. We do that. We let our voice be heard. But we don't have to fight like the devil to beat the devil. I said we don't have to learn to fight like the devil to beat the devil. That's not how you overcome. In the book of Jude, there's a scripture where they were battling. Michael the archangel was battling Satan over the bones of Moses. It's just a fascinating story. But Jude is making a point in the book of Jude. Right before Revelation, you can go and read it. And he's talking about this in context about... how. Uh, Authority, how, how, to, how to fight without fighting dirty. And he made a point there. He said, notice Michael the archangel did not even get nasty. He did not even uh, fall into, into sin or anything like that. He said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The point of that is how we fight our battles. It's not the way we fight in the flesh. We fight our battles by going to our knees in prayer and get it into the Word, getting filled with the Holy Spirit and worshiping and praising Him. This is how we fight our battles. Are you with me? Number three, Jesus released him. 
Jesus is demonstrating how to eat with an enemy here. And he just simply released him. He gave him to God. That's what that means. He gave, he gave him to God. He looked at him and he handed him that piece of bread. And he said, Judas, go do what you got to do and do it quickly. In other words, I'm not going to try to hold you here. I'm not going to try to beg you to stay. I mean, you, I'm not going to try to make you change. I mean, you're going to do what you're going to do. You hurt me. You betrayed me. I mean, you're going to live your life. You're going to do what you're going to do. Matthew 18, back to Matthew 18. Remember that? Jesus is saying, you go to that person. Well, he teaches on it. Then he actually tells a parable about how a, a servant who was um, forgiven of all of his debt went out and found another person who owed him just half the amount, just a fraction of the amount of money that he owned the bank. And the bank forgave his entire loan. This man goes out and he finds this guy that owed him $10, let's say, and he owed $10,000, and he was forgiven of it. He looks at the man and goes, you better pay me my $10, and, and got violent and, and had him arrested and had him, you know, thrown into jail for that $10. And Jesus said, we do that same thing when we don't realize what we've been forgiven of. A person that refuses to forgive is a person that has forgotten what they have been forgiven of, including myself. When I get in those places, when I get, I'm talking about, you can be upset. You'll let your voice be heard. But you got to learn as Christians to release people. You got to learn to let them go. You got to learn to just let them go. Release them and let them go. Because it's going to eat you up. Because look what he says. And after that parable, he says in Matthew 18, Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry when he heard, when the bank heard about what this guy did after they forgave him. He went and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Jesus said, so my heavenly father, that's God, will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. In other words, he says, I want you to see this. Yeah, there's a part of, of, of judgment that's coming but I want you to see the connection. He says, if we don't ever learn to uh, forgive from the heart, it involves torture. You know who gets tortured? We do. When we refuse to forgive and we refuse to move on, that's that bitterness, that's that unforgiveness. And it will, it will kill us. Unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison but hoping your enemy will die. It's, it's just something Jesus says, you will be tortured. You will continually just allow yourself to be stuck in this, in this moment and not be able to move on with what God has for you. Do you know God has greater things for us? And if you've ever been in a betrayal, let, let me say it like this. The Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Are you with me? In his presence are fullness of joy. In other words, in God's presence there is fullness of joy the problem is is not God's presence because God's presence is everywhere the problem is our presence are we present in the moment of what God wants to do in that moment or are we just stuck and held uh, holding on to a pain of something that has happened three years ago three months ago three weeks ago whatever ago and it's just holding us and we're not able to enjoy the presence of God for what he has in this moment anybody understand what I'm saying today 
That's why the Bible says that Jesus, uh, looking at the cross and being crucified, it says it like this, for the joy set before him. Notice that, the joy set before him. In other words, he had to let Judas go. He couldn't sit there and be, man, I'm so mad at this guy, three and a half years, and this is all he's done. He's, he's going to betray me, just like that. No, he had to let Judas go. Go, I'm going to release you unto God, because what God has for me is too good for me to get stuck and be held back for what someone else has done. Some people, have got you're holding on to some pain of something that's held you back from a relationship or something, and God cannot bring you into a new relationship, into a new season, into a new church, into a new year, because you won't let go of 2020. Come on, give him some praise. I think, I think they're shouting louder at home this morning. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. You got to learn to let it go. Somebody say, let it go. Let it go. I know that song is going to get stuck in your mind now. <laughs> let it go. You got to let it go. And I know it's hard to let it go. But you got to learn to let it go. God can never move you into the future unless you let go of the past. What, what did Paul say that? The one thing I do is I press forward to the mark of the prize. I let go of the things. I mean, so many scriptures ch- tell us to do this, but we get, so, we get so hung up in the moment and we refuse to let them go. Release them in their heart, man. People's going to do what they're going to do to us. But you got to realize when you release them, you put them in God's hands. And that's what uh, we got to learn to do is if we're going to move forward, if we're really going to get back to doing what God's called us to do and be a people of reconciliation, sit down at the table with people who we disagree with on so many other levels. That's Jesus. You think Jesus, no one on earth was on the same level as Jesus. Every person Jesus met with, there was a disagreement there. He confronted the disagreement, but usually it was after he connected, even with the woman at the well. The woman caught in adultery. Every single one of these situations, they, were, they did something that was wrong, but Jesus connected with them first. How many of you got to connect before you correct? And that's what I'm trying to help us get to the place where we, we, learn, we learn to connect. Last thing, and we're going to get ready for communion right now. This is the best news of it all, and then you need to know this, is that God used the betrayal. How many know that God can use anything? Not just the good times in our life. I look at this building and I look at what God has done in our ministry and our church and, and it's just amazing. I just am so amazed at what God has done. I'm just, just amazed. But I can tell you, I could go back to so many times in my life when I wanted to quit as a, as a follower of Christ. I shared one story on a Wednesday night a couple weeks ago how in, even in ministry I had another church. Had a, uh, we was at another church and I had a family in that church just got so mad and jealous of me and Melinda that just they physically wanted to do us harm. And come communion time, he would take the communion and put it in his pocket. He said he knew he was not right with God and he didn't want to bring God's judgment on him so he wouldn't take communion. I mean, this guy knew his Bible, but he had a problem with me. And the thing is, is I had no idea because <laughs> he never came to me and talked to it until it was at the end. But it was just a really rough patch. And, man, I, there were so many of those seasons that we went through. And we finally did reconcile and move on and, um, in ministry and in life. But that's just one. I can't tell you how many times that we wanted to quit because someone who I thought was going to be there with me or whatever and been betrayed, it hurts. 
But you need to know that God uses the betrayal. The first scripture in, in eight, verse 18 here, Jesus says this. He says, I do not speak concerning all of you. He's talking about his disciples, how faithful they all are. He says, but I'm not saying all of you are, for I know whom I have chosen. Listen to this. I know who I chose, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. You know what he's saying there? He says, I chose almost all of you. I didn't choose Judas. My father chose him. Let me just say it like this. Sometimes we don't choose that a relationship would end that way, but sometimes God did. We would never have chosen Judas and go through betrayal. We would have never chosen that situation that, to end the way it did. But God can use every situation. That's what I'm trying to say. God can use every situation. And sometimes when people, hey, back to that release them, don't try to hang on to some folks that God's trying to remove out of your life. Don't try to resurrect something that Jesus has crucified. Don't try to resurrect something that Jesus has crucified. Don't, don't try to hold on to people that was not meant to go into that next season. You love them from a distance, but you don't hold that unforgiveness. But you got to learn to release them and let them go and know that God can use every season, every betrayal for his good, for your life. Come on, let's stand today. Let's get our communion elements ready. And I could give you so many scriptures on this one point on God can use betrayal. One of the most famous is Joseph in the Old Testament. He was betrayed by his own brothers. Remember that story? It's in Genesis, I believe in 37. It starts the life of Joseph. He was the youngest. And God just had his hand of favor on his life. He was just getting blessed. He began to tell his family, look what God's doing in my life. And his Bible says his own family got jealous of him. And ended up selling him into slavery. True story. He ended up serving in prison for something he didn't do. I mean, it just keeps getting worse and worse. But you find this one little scripture throughout the story of Joseph. And it says, but God was with Joseph. And let me just say that. Because you go through a betrayal, it don't mean that God's not with you. We think when we're blessed, God's with us. When we go through a trial, he's not. That's never the case. That's not how you tell that God is with you. And at the end of that story, Joseph looks at his brothers, and his brothers see that throughout all, everything that they threw at him, how they mistreated him, that Joseph still was lifted up to a place of, of authority. He was second in command of all of Egypt. When God puts his hand on your life, no person can stop it. I don't care if you've been betrayed by your husband, by your wife. You're in a situation when you're all alone and the enemy may have been telling you that God cannot use you. I'm telling you that's a lie from the pit of hell. No person can stop God's plan and his purpose for your life. No man can do it. The only one that can get you out of God's will is you. Satan can't do it. Your enemy can't do it. But you can do it. But how many's not going to let that happen? Amen. And Joseph looks at his brothers and he says, guys, don't get mad. I forgive you. That was a lot. Forgive you for selling me into slavery. <laughs> forgive you for making me end up in prison for two years. I forgive you for all of that. And then he says this famous scripture, for what you has, have meant for evil, God has meant for good. So today... As we take our communion, 
1 Corinthians chapter 11 says this. It says, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. For I received from the Lord, this is the Apostle Paul, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. Next verse. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, let's just stop. He was able to give thanks after he was betrayed. You know what is a common test that I find out that God's always testing me on? If I can still be betrayed and not become bitter. In other words, I think that's what you learn when you first get saved, right? That's, that's one of those lessons you only learn once, right? No. That's a, that's a repeat. That's one of those repeat that you still got to renew your license every year. You still got to take that test. You still got to do whatever. And after a few years, you got to take, take that eye exam and realize, man, I'm getting old. So you try to memorize what it says before you get there. Go on, somebody. But you got to retake the test. Why? Because you have a human body that is just programmed to be on the decline. I don't want to be so sad, but it is. It, it, we don't get better as we get older. It's just part of this life. Well, spiritually speaking, people just don't get better, man. You're going to constantly have opportunities to get bitter at people. So that's a test we got to learn to pass. And Jesus demonstrated it by taking the bread. I want you to take the bread right now. Whether you're at home or you're here in the gym. I want you to stop for a minute, close your eyes. And I want you to do what Jesus did in this moment. On the night he was betrayed, Paul said it. He said it just like that. He took the bread and he still gave thanks. I want you to release that person. Maybe you got somebody in your life that's broken your heart. That's really done something that you, you are innocent may not be totally innocent in all of it, but you didn't do what they did. You may have some Judases in your life. Right now, in this communion service on Valentine's Day, February 2021, you can release that person right now during this communion service. God could have brought you here and had you log on to this service just for this moment right here because he's got something so great for you. Just a couple of days, weeks, or just ahead we got to let him go and he gave thanks and he released him come on release him right now in your mind release him release him release him if you've already done this then thank God you've done it before and just thank God right now in your moment but others of you you haven't done this yet you've got a new person a new Judas we release them right now in Jesus name and we bless this bread we thank you Jesus for demonstrating self-sacrifice for all of us. And we receive this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take it together. In the same way, the Lord took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant. You know, he had to do this looking around in that room without only 11, not 12, just as a leader. I love that our church is growing. I love there's so many new faces. I don't know half of you sometimes. <laughs> it's great. I think it's a good thing. We'll get to know each other. But with all the excitement, we were talking about this the other day. Sometimes it's the one that you notice isn't here. 
that's not walking with Christ, you hear about them later. They just, for whatever reason, they fell away. They're not serving God no more. Let me tell you, I hate to admit it, but I do think about them a little bit more. I'll get all these comments on our messages, and you guys love the services, and it's going good. You know, you, you post something on Facebook, how many's ever done this? And, and you get a lot of good feedback, but then you get that one comment. It's like, really? And Instagram, you have 50 good things that someone said to you, but you'll get that one nasty person. And you'll think about that thing all week long. Release it in Jesus' name. Release them. God, we give them to you right now. We give all the haters on Facebook. Come on. All the haters on Instagram. All the haters on Twitter. All the haters in my family. Every, All of them, Lord Jesus. I do. We give them to you. Come on, do that. We give them to you, Lord. Your favor is on our life. Your plan for us has not changed. Your blessing is upon us. And we receive that now. That's what this new covenant represents. We are under the blood. We put all of our sin under the blood right now in Jesus' name. Forgive us, Lord, of all of our sins, Lord, right now. Come on, do that right now. In Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for this new covenant. The grace to live and to eat with an enemy even, Lord. We thank you that we now have that right and that authority. And I bless it all right now in Jesus' name. Let's well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you receive some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.